0: God's will for every single thing. So the best we can do is go from the advice of the fathers, the biblical precedent um, and certain principles that have been handed down for, for doing it. So there's something I'll go through fast something is not hopefully there's time for questions. Unfortunately, this is one that's hard to be interactive about because we can't have like a case study to determine God's will for um, because it's, so much it depends on the individual. Um, and their, their personal experience with God as well. But um, overall, when it comes to God's will, nothing is more important than patience, prayer, patience, patience, patience. Um, patience can't be emphasized enough. Uh, one of the Desert Fathers says that, because the, in, in discerning God's will, right, is usually a breaking of our own, Um, And that's why uh, Abba Pima, who's the shepherd, he says the will of man is like a brass wall uh, between him and God, and it's a stumbling block. When a man renounces it, he is is also saying to himself, by my God, I can leap over that wall. He's quoting one of the Psalms. Um, Because if a man's will is in line with what is right, then he's able to actually get work done. Um, Or as St. John says in the first... Uh, epistle of his, he says this is the confidence which we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So there's this caveat that what we're asking has to be his will and that's why so many of us struggle with the question of of what is God's will. Um, And we see this in the Old Testament, because I know I gave a talk somewhere else and so there's some confusion when I was saying that God respects human will, and he does. Um, And so if human will is a general way of things, um, then then why pray? Um, and what is it that I'm seeking in God's will if God is already respecting my will as a human being? And he definitely is doing that. But we also know that God is concerned about um, our salvation very much, and that when he intervenes his acts of grace, it is about our salvation. And for a Christian who is progressing everything you do is supposed to be about salvation. Um, So there is an underlying assumption in this talk that we all care about that um, and that we believe that he cares as well because if we take everything as being part of our journey toward God and that anything we do as being part of our relationship with him and how we get to him, then there's a lot of places for his will to interact with ours. Um, there's also an expectation that everyone has discipleship to someone. Because in discerning the will of God, um, you do need an outside pair of eyes. Because just like God cares about your salvation, you have an enemy that cares very much about confusing that. Um, and usually he'll slip in... Um, my father, Confession Kennedy used to say this one expression all the time, where he's like, he'll give you like... <laughs> Chocolate with one drop of cyanide in the middle. Um, So you've got all this good stuff with this one drop that could kill everything. And that's why it's so important to have discipleship um, when discerning God's will. Before we can discuss specifically how to discern um, whether something is God's will, we've got to understand um, that man has three kinds of thoughts. Um, And anybody who's interested in reading for this after, there's a few good. Um, books with this subject but um, my spiritual father had always started with this concept and it's important that any of your general thoughts like when it comes to discernment have three sources it could either be from you yourself um, that they're your own thoughts and about this David says the Lord knows the thoughts of man that they are vain (laughs) Um, so there's not much to give to our own thoughts most of the time. Second is when the Holy Spirit or God within us uh, speaks. That's why our Lord says in that day and that hour, take no thought for what you shall say because in that hour the Lord will give you what to speak and what to say. So sometimes it's it's, it's the Holy Spirit. Or as St. Peter, when Christ asked, um, who do you say that I am? Peter said, you are Christ, the Son of God. And Christ answering saying, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. So it can be a heavenly source. And the third is that it could be from the devil, um, which is why, like, two verses later, um, Peter tells Christ, no, 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 you must not do this, and Christ's response is, get behind me, Satan. This was, like, two minutes after he confessed him as God, suddenly Christ is saying, get behind me, Satan. So there's different sources, and we can say for the most part that the human thoughts matter very little, Um, the devil's ones we obviously don't want to have much to do with, and we're hoping to find the third, which is the will of God. So those are the three sources that we have to discern between. The next thing to do is to consider when it comes to validity of a thought or a thought that we should take seriously, or whether to find out whether a thought is in line with the thoughts of God. The Desert Fathers give us lots of advice on this, and they're kind of our... our our lab researchers when it comes to spirituality because they devoted their life specifically to this Um, and they have lots of mess ups and they have lots of successes and they recorded them for us and they summarized their findings for us and what's very comforting is that they have a lot of uniformity um, in the conclusions that they draw. So kind of a summary of what they found um, for discerning a thought is the first thing is Examine a thought to see, is it filled with the fear of God? Is it filled with the reverence of God, right? If somebody's got a thought um, that, you know what, I should stand in front of the sanctuary and like throw things and tell people they're sinners, this is not full of the reverence of of God. It's not something that has an honoring of him. It shouldn't be something that could um, break any of God's commandments because it would be to clearly defy um, what God wants from us. So the first thing is, obviously, does does this even match the person of Christ, the person of God, um, or the Trinity as revealed to us? Because if it isn't, stop right there, there's an issue. The second is, is this thought filled with goodness towards everybody else? A lot of the times when we are considering a thought, we only think of ourselves. I like this, I want this. This will do this for me, this will do that for me. I could rise, I could grow, I could do, and there's a list of things that are there. But if the thought is very selfish, then it is not a loving thought. Um, And so it is important that we also take a look at whether or not the thought um, is in the best interest of other people, because our salvation, especially the Orthodox concept, is not um, individual. We believe in the, in the salvation of the person, but we also believe that my salvation is in the context of the salvation of everybody. Um, we're concerned about the salvation of the whole world. The third is, does it agree with the witness and the actions of the Lord and the apostles? So is what's going on here something totally foreign in the life of the church? Because the disciples were disciples. they were They were receiving something from the source. So it's important to look at the lives of the apostles, the lives of the saints, and saying, is this something consistent or not? If it's different, why? What is the spirit that's coming? Because we want to see that the spirit is consistent, um, because if the spirit is telling somebody, you know what, forget this liturgy, Um, this is ridiculous and we should cancel it, and yet you have Christ saying that you need to do this, and you have the apostles who taught it, then why is there a third voice now saying something very different than the rest of it? That's a very bizarre example, um, rather than getting personal, but just that we need to evaluate things. Even when St. Anthony um, considered going for monasticism, it says that it came first from his meditation on the apostles and how they left everything for Christ, and that he wanted to be consistent with the apostles and give up everything for Christ. And then he was able to go to the church and discern the voice of God. But it was not like, I've got this random idea, I think it's great, I think people are terrible and they suck and I'd rather live by myself and I'm going to do it. That, if that was the source of his thought, there would actually have been a major problem um, with what he was doing. And that's why the foundation for him was always the Bible, and the fathers, the teachings of the fathers. Number four is, does the thought evoke peace and tranquility? Um, or is it surrounded by anger, bitterness, turmoil, contention? Um, where is where does the emotion, what is the feeling around these thoughts? Because if a single thought brings you away from internal peace, that's a huge red light in general. There should always be complete peace towards something. There can be false pieces, which is why we'll talk about other things that need to be there. But peace is absolutely important because a lot of the time we think that we are being moved to the zeal of the Lord when really you're just angry um, or really you're you're jealous or really there's a passion underlying it that you're not seeing this is why the discipleship is also important because you might not recognize that really you have an ego problem um, and that's the real issue maybe it really is from God but the thought has to be um, peace there can't be anger condemnation and there can't be partiality Um, and this can happen over and over if we don't spend time in self-examination. Um, and the clear example of this really is, is Elijah, right? Is after Elijah had this scene with the priest and he takes off and he's running, um, is that Elijah ends up going into the mountains to hear the voice of the Lord, to tell him what he needs to do. And it says that first there is a storm, and then there was thunder, there was all sorts of dramatic stuff. But every, after every one of these things, it says, but the voice of the Lord was not in the thunder. But the voice of the Lord was not in the storm. The voice of the Lord was not in any of these things. But finally it came in a still, small voice. And it was very intentional that the Lord was telling to teach us, is that I come to you in peace. I don't come to you shaking you up. So a person who has heard the voice of God is not going to be shaken. He's going to be full of conviction um, and full of peace that this is what the Lord wants for him. He's not going to go home being like, I don't know, God wants me to do this and this and this. It should be like, the Lord has spoken, he wants this. This is why Abraham could get up and leave and do something so difficult. Because the voice of the Lord was very clear and very sure to him. Um... Anything that's from God should have serenity, joy, and humility, not arrogance or pride. The last thing they say is, does the thought come with a sense of urgency? Do you feel compelled to do something right away? And if you do, it is probably not from God. Is that God very rarely needs something to be done at this very instant. When he does he will make it very clear. And if you miss the sign, he's not like, oh man, he missed it. Game over. When God needs something, like, he will do it. So you don't need to be concerned ever that you need to get up on the spot at four o'clock in the morning and like do whatever it is that was on your mind or that you need to make this decision about whatever it is the very next day. Just wait. Um, Because anything with urgency is typically not going to be from him. So, Our will, for the most part, is very short-sighted. We tend to look at things very temporally. We look at um, money, happiness, wanting to stay where we are, um, security. Those things are not necessarily wrong. Um, Like, or having them as factors is not necessarily a wrong thing. But our decisions shouldn't be based on those things if we're seeking the will of God, nor should they be the decisive... Factors when we're doing it. They're incomplete. Um, So how do we go about actually finding his will? The number one thing that's unanimous in all the fathers is kill your own will. Um, And that's one of the most difficult things for us to do until you've done it once. When you've done it once, you find that it's actually a very simple process because you'll have seen God function. But um, Theophan, the recluse... Um, gives a a parable, he gives an example, he says if you have a glass full of vinegar and you want to put honey in the glass, you have to first throw away the vinegar, then you wash the glass, then you have to put it out in the sun for a few hours until the smell of the vinegar disappears, and then you can put the honey in it. So the vinegar here is our own will, which is very selfish and it's very short-sighted, and unlike the will of God, it is not perfect. Um... But it's basically what, what we just desire, our emotions, um, or what, what the fathers call the ignorance of, of youth. But the honey is the will of God. If we don't learn how to bury our will, God will not reveal his to us. There isn't room for it. It's going to be tainted by your own if you're looking for it. So we're actually mocking God when we ask him to reveal his will to us when we've actually made up our own mind. And of this is actually, we don't like to talk about this side of God very much, but we have to because there's very scary stories in the Old Testament. Um, There's a story of the people who, they had already decided they were going to war. Um, And so these two kings, the king of of Israel and the king of Judah, um, had actually made an alliance for once. Usually they were fighting each other, but today they were um, joining an alliance to fight against a common enemy. And so they pulled up their prophets, and they already decided they were going, and they said, tell us the will of God. And the prophets, because they were paid gurus by the king, were like, yes, 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 the Lord says go. And so one of the kings was like, okay, um, bring us... um, He's like, is there no other prophet? Like, he sensed that something wasn't right. Is there no real prophet in Israel? And so he said, there's one... But I hate when he talks, because he never says things that are nice. And he was like, bring him. So the prophet comes, and he's like, yeah, yeah, go. It'll be great. And so the king is like, you're lying. And he's like, you never have something nice to say. And he's like, you're right. Um, and he goes, he goes, the Lord is not God if you return from this battle alive. Um, and he's like, your life will be acquired from you. Um, and he was like, but God said, because you were not seeking my will, but your own, I will speak lies in the mouths of these prophets. That's a very frightening thing for the Lord God of hosts to say. But that's the importance of really being sincere in seeking God's will. And so, sure enough, the king goes and he dies. But the scary part, God didn't kill him for not seeking his will. That's not what he was doing. But the idea is, don't do God lip service if you're seeking his will. Better for you to not ask and just be self-willed than for you to lie to God and pretend like you want his will when we don't. Um, So killing our will is the most important because our will needs to be completely and totally surrendered to his divine one if we're looking to hear him clearly. Um, There should be a sense of awe that whatever he wills is higher and better, again with this underlying assumption that everything you're doing is about your salvation and the salvation of the people around you, even if it seems like a secular thing, like which job um, that you do um, or anything like that. Um, There should be a belief, like a real, like will cannot be separated from your faith, okay? Because if if you really believe that he can, will, and wants to give you what is absolutely best for you, you won't be able to kill your will but you have to actually have a conviction that he really does care. If you don't, it'll be so hard if you have to keep reminding him, but does he know that, like, I really want this? Does he know that, like, like a lot of people will be frightened even when it comes to marriage, like, I, I don't want the boring deacon. Like, I really want somebody who's funny. Um, and it's like, well, okay, well, you might find one that's both, um, or it might be none of the above, but you have to realize that he gets it, He knows you. He actually knows you better than you know yourself um, and that you're in good hands. He's not looking to make you miserable. He actually wants you to be content and happy. Um, A certainty that God's desire is for you to be happy and joyful. You do need to have that certainty. Um, And if you don't reach this point, it usually needs more time, okay? If there's a wavering of the will, then you you need to, to sit this one out on the benches because... If you do not have full faith that he really does want for you what is best and that he really does care, what you will end up with is doubt, depression, and worry. Because you're going to have this nagging feeling that you did not surrender your will or that you manipulated things, right? Because sometimes if if you don't sacrifice your will and you manipulate it to get to the conclusion that you're looking forward to, When things don't go well, or there's the first bit of warfare that comes inevitably because you're going to have it with no matter what it is, you have doubt. Maybe I shouldn't have done this. You know what, if I'm going to be totally honest now with the whole process, at one point I did say this to this person to give this impression because I knew it would open this door, and we all do stuff like that right? We'll all find that person's again, know I was making my connections, I was doing blah, blah, blah. And so if you haven't surrendered the will, what was something you were excited about at the beginning ends up becoming your source of doubt. Um, and this is particularly true with the big callings, whether it's marriage, monasticism, priesthood, um, is that there becomes this fear of like, oh, I, I did set myself up, and he did not know this and this and this about me, or she did not know this. And suddenly... You lose your whole footing. And instead of finding joy in your calling, which might even be the right calling, you have fear. And God doesn't bring anything like that. He wants us to be happy. Um, and that's why the, he taught the Israelites in the Old Testament to seek his will. Right? We'll see even like the high priest had this thing called the umim and the thumim, um, which a lot of people don't know what they are. But what it seems to be is it was a form of casting lots, of determining God's will um, but that he did instill in them a sense of it that's why David constantly sought God's will Um, and he's like do I go to war, do I not go to war do I do this, do I not do this Um, we have to surrender our will and have faith that he will speak the second thing which is hard for a lot of people is absolute and full honesty This is something that a lot of people think they have, but they do not. Um, And there are many factors involved in this. So there is a monk who taught me um, maybe eight or nine years ago, and it was one of the best advice I'd ever heard, and I took it trivially at the time. He said, in your life, you can summarize it to three things, honesty with God, honesty with yourself, honesty with others. And the more I meditate on that, the more real that I see that is. When it comes to discerning God's will, you need to ask yourself some very honest and difficult questions because you can't hide from yourself and you definitely can't hide from your your God. Do you want this thing for a reason that you are ashamed to say out loud? Doesn't matter if you say it out loud, you need to ask yourself, is there a motivation here that you're ashamed to say say in the light? Um, Are you pursuing something to be stubborn or to make a point? just to show, for example, that you can succeed or that somebody's opinion is wrong. Um, We see this in marriage all the time, where everyone's like, this isn't going to last. Well, I'm going to make it last. And it's like, that's not a good reason. It's not a good reason to break the relationship just because they think it's not going to work out. And it's not a good reason to stay in a relationship because you want to prove those other people wrong. Neither one of these are honest. The real question is, is it God's will? Not... I don't like them, I don't like this, I like this, I don't like this. You have to be very honest. What is your motivation? What is your driving force? Um, We see this with with youth all the time, where they're like, no, you said I couldn't do it. I'll show you that I can. And it's okay. Well, it's not not about that you can. There's a lot of things that we can do, but it's not about what we can do. It's about earnestly seeking what is the will of God. I know a, a couple that's that's struggling, um, very young like college group that, because their servant, when they were 17, said, you know, this relationship's not going to ever work. Um, and so they stuck together just to prove him that, yes, it could. And now he's not happy with the relationship. And it's not even like they're doing something wrong. But it's just, it just had a wrong foundation. It was to make a point instead of to be seeking who is the right person to seek God with. Um, Am I doing something, intentionally or unintentionally, that will mislead people? And that has to be honest as well. Am I trying to think, give the impression of a certain personality type that I'm not? Um, because I like this end. This is very true, for example, in, in monastic um, communities. This is not the only place where it happens, but we want to present an image that will succeed um, in a particular place. Um, I know of um, a poor monk who's now better, but who, during his novitiate, when he was a novice, um, he thought that the monastery wanted him to be like and like the, the very gentle, meek personality, which is a good personality, but it was not his personality. He is an outgoing person who likes to joke and likes to be forthcoming, and that's not even wrong monastically. Um, There are many monastic monks who were like that, St. Moses the Black was a joker, St. Arsenius couldn't stand seeing a human being in front of him. Both of them made it to heaven, they had different personalities. But for his whole novitiate, um, he spent his time um, trying to fulfill a particular role. Suddenly, when he wore black, um, he was like, like overly loud and obnoxious and joking, and the rest of the monks were like, who is this guy? Like, this is not the guy that lived with us the last two and a half years. And they didn't know how to deal with him. And so they kind of all stepped back because, like, we don't, we don't know who he is. He, went, he had a mental breakdown, which is obviously not funny. And he needed psychiatric help. He ended up having to see a shrink um, and have people counsel him. Now he's incredibly successful, a very spiritual man, um, and one of my favorite monks, so it's not like it had a sad ending. Um, but look at the anguish that he had to go through rather than being totally honest about his image and who he is. Because you're not trying to conform to a certain life, you're trying to find that life to take you to Christ. And if it's your path, great. And if it's not your path, also great. Because if we believe that this is all for salvation, then whatever God wills for you personally is the best thing for you personally. Whether it is marriage, celibacy, monasticism, to be a CEO or to be at the corner of some corner begging... If you believe it's about salvation, you will be content where you are, as you are. Basically, be yourself and don't sin. Um, so don't do anything that you could be misleading somebody with. And if you understand that somebody is being misled, make sure you confront it. Don't hide it. Because that will become the source of doubt to you later on when the going gets tough. Um, Ask yourself, what is the real and truest reason behind something that is making you pursue, consider, or deliberate over something? Whether this is job considerations or buying a house or getting married, what is the real reason that I'm doing it? Can I identify it? Um, And there's nothing wrong with it being shallow. It's not like everything has to be lofty and noble and heroic, but at least be honest with what it is. Are you doing something because... You want to make a point, like we said earlier. Are you doing it because you want someone else to look bad? Are you doing it to set something else? These are the questions about honesty. Um, and then every, every thought that you have, question yourself if you're skewing it to arrive at the conclusion that you want. This is another level of honesty. Um, Like, am I saying, okay, well, I'm going to identify this factor, but I'm going to use this factor to my benefit by saying, oh, yeah, but that will be to my benefit, because if I have this, it'll do blah, blah, blah. No. Don't skew anything. Treat them as raw facts. It sounds mechanical, but it's a necessary thing. Then be honest with how you approach your spiritual father so that you're not trying to get a particular answer. Because many people do this, right, where we'll go to... Our spiritual father being like, you know, I was hoping to do this. It's so good um, because, you know, I've, I've prayed a lot about it and, you know, so-and-so is happy about it. And um, I've practiced blah, blah, blah. And everything's framed so peacefully and happily and you've left out a whole bunch of information that casts some problems on it or you forget, like, the fact that, like, your dad said, if you ever do this, I'm never speaking to you again. Um, or smaller things, but you, you've presented it in a way that the spiritual fathers be like, yes, and then you leave being like, see, it's the will of God. Abuna said it was, and like nothing could be better. And then when everything falls apart, I don't know what went wrong. No, you were dishonest, okay? Um, and like those lying prophets, okay, God, is, God knows who you are, and he's not easily, not easily, he's not fooled, period. Um, it won't happen. Next thing, these are not in order of importance. By the way, the next thing which should have probably been is the first and last thing, which we mentioned at the beginning is prayer. Um, and when we pray, it is not, "Please, Lord, let this happen." Okay, that is not an honest prayer. Um, then you're saying, "Give it to me, give it to me, give it to me," and God will give it to you eventually. Like in a lot of these cases, that's why He gave the parable of that the annoying woman, <laughs> with the lawyer, right? The woman who is just constantly like at his throat and he goes he's like fine take it like if you want it you can have it just like a parent like if you believe that God wants something better for you right then don't don't ask him to give 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 because it's like that that picture that went viral for a bit where God's got this gigantic teddy bear behind him and the kid just wants this tiny little thing where it's like if you knew what was behind his back like you'd be a little bit more excited about this big thing that's coming um Bishop Ruiz repeats this one story over and over and over about this married couple that had terrible life together. Um, and were constantly coming to him every year when he'd visit Canada with their problems. And he actually at one point, like, and Amber Ruiz, anyone who knows him, he's very meek, very quiet. He like got so frustrated, he goes, Did you even pray? Like before this marriage? And he was like, Yes. And he was like, What did you pray? He's like, Please God, let me marry this woman. And he was like, Okay, um, this is your 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 issue. So don't pray saying, um Make this happen. I'd even say don't even try and ask um, for or against having it. Like, that's not the question. The question is, is Lord, what is, what is your good and perfect will? And what, what is not your will, please either remove it from me or teach my heart to accept it. Um, only don't let me do what is not pleasing to you. It's a very different prayer to pray it this way. Fill my heart with the peace that is yours towards this thing and remove doubt from my heart. Um, Like, ask Him for the peace, ask Him to remove the doubt. Um, And then, every thought, every emotion, every interaction, every consideration that you've been going through in your process, make that part of the prayer. Like, present that to Him. Be like, Lord, these are the things that I'm considering, these are the things that I'm, I, I'm not sure about. These are the things that I'm hiding. These are the things I'm afraid to say. Turn that into prayer. That's a very honest prayer where your heart is dialoguing with him um, and being very clear about everything. Um, turn the calculations, the scenarios, and the doubts into prayer because he already knows. And when you are bringing it to him in dialogue, then he's able to speak. Because... The next major sign in God's will that should be prevalent at all times is peace. God's will always comes with peace. This is not a psychological peace, and you've got to be careful not to confuse it two. We can rationally convince ourselves of why an idea is good, and that's not wrong. But it doesn't stop there. And you'll find that if something is only a psychological peace, the test of time is going to find that even though you know rationally that it makes sense, you're going to find that you don't continue in that piece. You start to find other objections, and you start to find reasons why you don't like something, even though it technically makes sense. Um, and this piece, like I said, it's not for a day or two. It grows. It grows with time. It doesn't diminish. It grows. Um, and this piece should not be confused with having concerns. Because the peace of God will come in spite of your worries and your doubts and your, and your issues. So it doesn't mean that when you have it, suddenly you're not having issues with, it, with a particular thing. Um, you might still be like, but I'm still not sure how this is going to be resolved. I'm still worried about whether this is going to affect my family. I'm worried about these things. It's not wrong to have those, but what you will find is that the peace comes in spite of it where he can, you feel the sense of, it's okay, I've got it covered, but this is the right door to follow. Um, because if you look at all of the scenarios where God reveals his will to people, it always starts with, fear not, right? Or it says, my peace be with you. He's never leaving the person with a sense of anxiety, Right? Joseph says to God, well, there's one problem, like, she's pregnant, and we're not married. That's a very big problem. (laughs) Right? Like, that when it meant stoning. Okay? And that was why Joseph was like, I need to put her away. I need to divorce. I need to end this, because this is not going to end very well when everyone finds out she's pregnant. And God's like, yeah, I gotcha. Like, I understand. Do this. Right? Even St. Mary Um, I'm just wondering how could this be Um, because I've never known a man. And he's like, don't worry. And he gave an answer, right? Like whatever is your issue that you're bringing to him, issue will be resolved, okay? Or he will give you what you need in spite of it. Get up and go to Egypt, all right, peace out. We're leaving Israel, we're going to Egypt. Do we speak Egyptian? No, we don't, right? Just like Abraham, right? Like when he just got up and left, he was going against all normalities of his time, like, suddenly he was going to be roaming, suddenly he was going to be put in scenarios where, like, really we're not comfortable, and yet God was, was with him. There has to be a sense of, of full peace. The next thing is signs. And signs are very tricky, um, and they're what most people want the most. So, when it comes to signs, I would say don't look for this even though they will happen. But don't make your heart's inclination be towards having tons of signs. And I'm going to contradict myself, because I know that Gideon did, okay? But the issue is that for every real sign that comes from God, you're going to get a billion counterfeits counterfeits from the devil. Um, Because when the devil sees that you like a particular thing, he's going to mimic it and create his own. So, like, if you have your magic eight ball, and you're like, I am going to open my Bible to the first verse that I see, and if it says something good, then I'll do it, then that was like, oh, okay, I, I can do that. Um, I can send you lots of verses. Um, and so a lot of times he won't even just send you the verse that says the opposite of what you're doing. He'll give you both so that you're constantly confused. That's why I said the piece is so important. Um, if he sees that you're the kind of person who's going to talk to this one person over and over, he'll go to that person. Um, if he sees that you like randomness, he'll give you randomness. like Whatever it is that you like he can do, and he can do it way better than you. Okay, so don't um, have an obsession with signs. Um, And one of the stories that really struck me in the last year that I hadn't paid attention to when I was younger is the story of St. Paul after the shipwreck, um, where they're washed up to shore, and they're with all these foreign people, and they have a fire with all of these people, and in the middle of the fire, a viper comes up and bites St. Paul. And so right away, the reaction to people is like, aha, see, this man is bad. Um, and that's why despite being rescued from shipwreck, God has deigned that this man has got to die. Two minutes later, Paul just goes like this um, and flicks it off. And the same people are like, this guy is a criminal. or like, he's a god. Like, it was a space of five minutes in the story or less. And they went from this guy is going to die to he's god. In five minutes. So, if you're looking for signs, you might get them, but you might have no clue what they mean. So, don't be fixated on it. For me personally, and I've had signs happen, and definitely, like in it comes to higher callings um, like um, monasticism, we've been taught to look for signs or that God will give signs. Um, and so, they do happen. Um, what I did personally, when there were signs, when there'd be something that happened that was out of the normal, um, or that was supernatural is I just had a a filing cabinet in my head that was just called stuff that happened. And I was like, I'm I'm not going to interpret it. I'm going to say these things occurred and I'm going to put them over here. And as time progresses and God speaks more clearly, then I'll look at them. But for now, all I know is stuff happened. Okay, because there would be all sorts of things. And I remember, for example, like, um, I'd be sitting on a plane. This wasn't the stuff and the stuff that happened. And some person that I've never met would be like, you should be a monk. Um, I'm like, okay, thank you. Um, Nice to meet you too. But then um, I'd meet a little kid who'd be like, are you going to be in a Buna? Um, And then there'd be another person being like, you definitely need to be here. Right? So there'd be this third one that's the contradiction of the other two. Right? So if I'm going to collect the signs that I like um, and put them in a box, then I'm not doing the honesty bit. I'm skewing something because I like this idea. Um, like, you know, I like this one. And then when someone else says something you don't like, that's from the devil. No, you don't know. Um, and that's going to be revealed over time. So you simply try as much as, as possible to deal with it from the outside. Um, so they're important but not. Um, Like they cannot become our fixation even though people love these the most and like no 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 it was a sign because I wasn't going to call that morning and then they did call and then I know that her dad can't stand people But that day he said okay and like well that story's also been repeated 40 times. So we can't Overly interpret they really might mean something. I'm not saying that they don't it's just that if we fixate on them and over amplify them then that I was like, oh, this is... I'm going to have a field day with this kid. Like, I can do, like, all sorts of stuff and really confuse them. What comes from God will have peace, stability, and he will repeat it, okay? He is not gonna, he's not going to stop. And just to give some comfort, look at Daniel. Um, like, Daniel's sitting in his room, and God is calling. Um, and when he didn't know it was God... God didn't get angry, okay? Like, there was a clear sign. I mean, hearing voices is not a normal occurrence for most of us. And so, like, something was going on that was out of the normal. He went to the priest, who was not a very good priest, and the priest was like, yeah, let's go back to bed. And so it was three times, right? And it was the priest, um, who was a rotten priest, <laughs> when you think about it, that discerned the will of God for him. It was him that said, okay, no, 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 no. This is something. Next time say this and God's first words were not I've been calling you and like are you deaf right it was not like that at all he taught him the importance of discipleship right he did give a sign and unfortunately for Eli the first things God said were I'm not happy with that guy okay so God will use even like whoever it is even if you don't trust the priest you don't need to worry when there are signs God will speak manifestly and clearly and he can speak through anybody even bad priests if he spoke through a donkey um, with Balaam, I'm pretty sure that he can speak today very capably. So there's nothing wrong with asking God for signs, but you definitely need an extra pair to help you. Like Gideon, God wasn't upset with him when Gideon said, I want a sign. But Gideon was asking for signs because God was asking him to do something absolutely insane. Like he was like, I want you, like some some half kid, like he was not exactly the most loved among his brethren, um, to come and lead an army against these people who have been owning you guys for a long time. But Gideon was like, okay, well, if I'm going to listen to these voices, um, I I need something clear because maybe I'm psychotic um, and maybe like this is my enemy, like I don't know. And so I'm going to ask this. And because the situation really did call for it and he didn't have any God available to him, God gave it to him. And he was patient with him, and like when, after the first night, Gideon's like, okay, no, 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 i do the reverse. Now do this, and then at the end, it's like, I was like, okay, like, I think you can move on now. Okay, so signs are important, but don't. Silence is the next major key. Don't discuss what's going on with people all the time, where possible. It's one thing to ask advice, it's another thing to constantly be talking when you ask everybody their opinions, you're gonna get a lot of opinions, and you're probably gonna just become confused over the exposed, um, and you're gonna get too much noise. Um, and I've I've definitely experienced this. And you've done it in good heart. Like you're asking for advice. It's not like you were like talking about like the weather for f- 12 hours. You were you were seeking something good, but you've now heard a billion opinions about it. And I'm like, okay, well, this guy had a point, and this person had a point, point. I never considered this, and maybe if I do this. Now, I don't know if I'm even being honest, because when this person said this, a small part of me agrees with this, but I tried to talk about it, but I wasn't listening. Now, if he wasn't listening, then maybe he is skewed on what he thinks, and then you go through this whole big like circle of, and bombardment of thoughts, and you have no peace. Just shut up and listen for a little bit to God, because he will speak. Um, and, and you don't want to be skewed. So, and, and where you weren't biased, you might become biased. Like maybe you were neutral, but then suddenly you've got all this other stuff going on. So be calm, be heady, be, be, be more contained in your speech and in your questions um, so that you don't take on the thoughts of others and your reality changes. You need to deal with your own reality because God is dealing with your reality. We don't need to be overly concerned about that. Um, that's why God spoke in with a still, small voice when it came to Elijah, not in the storm, not in everything else. And there's an analogy that um, a priest um, from this diocese said to me when I was a novice in the monastery that I I loved, um, because I was trying to make this decision about whether or not to leave and join the brotherhood or not, um, and and everyone and their mom had an opinion about what I should do. Um, And he was like, right now... Like, you're sitting in front of, like, a small lake, and you're throwing a billion rocks at it. Um, And he's like, so you just got, like, the the surface of the water is totally broken by the ripples and by everything that's going into it. He's like, you just need to step back, be quiet, and wait so that surface calms down, and you can see through it. It's a great analogy. So we all need to find that silence um, for the stilling of the water. The next aspect which we've touched on already is time. Time is such a wonderful test because the stability of a thought has to stand the the dangers and and, 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 um, encompassing of time. If something is from God, God is a spirit that is consistent. God's not going to one day say something and the next day say the other and the third day say it again based on your emotions and your feelings. If he is, then you've got a very emotional God who doesn't himself know. That's not our God. Time exposes you to so many things. Anything done in haste is bad news. And if he needs it to be done right away, he will make you. He will. You don't need to be afraid of that like we said earlier. Because the peace that we talked about, that grows with time. Um, the thoughts from God are per, are persistent. Even ha- events that happen on the way will either confirm or shake up what you're thinking. Where it's like, okay, I thought this person would make a good priest. But then over the time, you're seeing that every time that there's some kind of problem, they step back and they don't know how to deal with it. Time presented this challenge, which is exposing the person for who he is right? Just like a couple that's engaged. If over the time or even a a dating couple where it's like, I'm not growing in peace or like we don't have anything to talk about. If you went by your emotions on day one, it's like, oh great, this is the one. Whereas like six months later, it's like, what am I doing? Um, Or some event happens that makes you see who this other person is more clearly or who yourself is more clearly. That can only come if you allow time to take its toll. That doesn't mean that, like, you need to wait a decade on everything, but you do need to take your time. If you want to look at an extreme of this, St. Macarius got a thought that he should visit the brothers, which is a very neutral thought, probably bordering more on good than anything because he was preceded their Abba. He prayed for three years about the thought. So he practiced what he preached. So we're not being asked that if you want to brush your teeth that you need to pray for three years about it, but... You shouldn't have a sense of urgency. I need to do this tomorrow. And don't put a time limit on God. Be like, if this haven't, hasn't happened by such a time, then I'm going to do this. Then you're not. Because then you've already set up the scenario. You're not neutral. You've already predetermined something and you're putting a limit on God. Time has to be combined with, with, with honesty. When all of this has happened, and there's probably more, this is when you can begin to hear His voice. God's voice is always peaceful and calm. God's voice is always persistent. God will either address your concerns or remove them, one or the other. But he's not going to ignore them. And he can speak in many ways. He can directly speak to your heart with a very real voice, like it's a voice that you will recognize, not as your own. That's why Christ says, these are my sheep and my sheep know me. I am the good shepherd. And when I speak, my sheep know my voice. He wasn't kidding. He wasn't just being figurative. When God speaks, it will be very clear that God is speaking. Sometimes he'll speak through a direct voice. Sometimes he will speak through your readings, um, especially for those of us who we all should be one of those are consistent in our Bible reading he will be very loud, where it won't just be like, oh, I think this is saying this. It'll be like the words popping out at you, like very clearly having meaning, where it's like you were concerned about like issue X, and he's like, no, here's your answer right here. He can do things like that. Um, sometimes it's through other readings. Sometimes it's through others. Sometimes it's through children. Sometimes it's through coworkers. workers um, Sometimes it is through science. There are going to be different ways that he does it, but when you have come through all of these things, he will speak. Sometimes he will slam doors shut. Um, Other times he will open the door and throw 5,000 arrows at it, saying, this one right here, this is it. Um, But his voice is always calming, reassuring. It fills you with awe um, and reverence and joy and peace and a thirst for more. So God's voice can come in any way. Sometimes it is supernatural. Not everybody is going to get this, so don't put your money on that all the time. And it's not about worth. Um, because sometimes he's going to send someone to say something to you very directly. I remember um, being taken aback the first time this kind of thing happened. I remember going for a walk on my one of my first retreats at St. Anthony's in, in the Red Sea in Egypt. And it' was going through a walk, in the and it was dark, and there was a, a brand-new monk who after every liturgy, would would sprint to his cell and would never speak to anybody. And by fluke, I literally just walked into him um, while we were walking. And he just looked at me and is like, oh, hi, Mina. And I hadn't told him my name or anything like that. And he goes, I think the answer to the question you've been thinking about is just this. Um, And walked away. okay, thank you very much. That's not necessarily normal, but sometimes God does do things like that. Um, But he will be, like we said, persistent a lot of the times for like that one of the best ways really is the bible and that's why you need to be consistent in your bible reading and not be random because he will work through your norm it's not going to be something new so if you always for example read the daily readings he will speak through that if you have your daily bible cycle he can speak through that but if you're sporadic and you're suddenly looking for it you're not going to find it because there's a dialogue going on between you and god and if you don't know god it's hard for you to dialogue Basically, you want God to be your magic eight ball suddenly. Um, So he also sometimes, when he's speaking, might open a door only to close it, which can be very confusing for people. Um, Because he might say, yeah, yeah, see, yes, I can open this, close, but this is not the one. Um, And it's for you. It's because he knows that you might be like, oh, but this was a good way. But it's like, no, 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 you tried it, and I'm telling you it's it's not this one. Um, and if you let him speak this way, um, he can do it. I know that for me, one of the, the biggest, the first times that I really had to learn to neutralize my will was when I had moved up north in Canada for my internship, um, and I, I fell in love with where I was. I was in a, a tiny cottage on the lake in our side of the city like wildlife nature like the works the northern lights like I was mesmerized like day by day I'd have like wolf and hyena and coyote and whatever and bear and moose in the backyard like I was like this is Eden and like work for me was just like work just like it was in monastic life because I always loved monastic life I go I do my hours I loved my staff my staff loved me Um, I did my thing and I was cloud nine hiking skiing doing all sorts of stuff and so I came to the point where I'm just like bun the monastery like this is it like this is better than everything I have this freedom once a month um, I fly down to visit my family and my church because it's an 18 hour drive Um, and this is this is great. So I was like no this is God's will. What what could God want more than for me to have this union with him and blah 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 blah. So I went home for a visit and there's issues in the church. I'm like okay, well maybe I should be thinking about the people that I serve like not just myself because I they are missing a servant that they had. And then I was like okay, I don't know if I've been actually honest about seeking God's will because Basically, I gave him two options. I was being offered a very prestigious position in hospital, like clinical work. Um, And then another job that I found similar in another place. I'm like, these are the options. Which one is your will? When I'm like, I actually didn't ask if none of them were his will. um, If I'm going to be totally honest. That's where the honesty came in. Um, And so I was like, okay, this sucks because I really want this. And so then I stepped back and I'm like, okay, if I'm going to be honest about God's will, I've got to really seek everything so i applied to everything stuff i didn't like stuff that i loved stuff that was like community based stuff that was whatever i did everything and threw it at everything and suddenly and then i went to the the clinical manager for the site that was offering me a position like listen to be totally forthcoming with you like i'm planning on doing my doctorate um and if i'm doing a doctorate it's going to start in this month so you're only going to get this many months out of me. I just want to be totally upfront with you because if it affects your decision, fair enough. And he's like, you know what, I'll get back to you. Probably it'll still be a yes, but I'll get back to you. He didn't get back to me for like, like for a month later, he still hadn't. I'm like, okay, this is a polite, like, thanks, but no thanks. Um, And everybody was absolutely silent. And I'm like, wow, I thought I was intelligent. Um, and like most likely to be a prof was like my my, my peers and, and my college were saying I'm like not even like the lowest of community wants me um, and so suddenly I get an offer from the company that I hated the most um, and I'm like there's no way there's no way this one like anything but this one and I'm like okay maybe this is God's will but I looked at this whole criteria that I had been schooled in and I'm like God's will is supposed to come with joy and, like, peace and stuff. I'm like, I don't got any of that. Maybe I did something wrong. I'll suck it up and take it. Um, And I'm like, so I was driving home. I'm like, I'm going to call my father of confession um, and tell him, like, yes, I got the offer. It'll be down there where I like it, Um, like, with where my church was. He'll be happy. Um, So I went home, and before calling, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to, I'll pray before I call him, because I'm not in a good mood. Um, and so I prayed, and I was like, I, I actually had come to tears. I was, I, was, I was not happy. I definitely was not happy. But I was like, Lord, you know that at the end of this, the reason why I wanted to stay is you. Like, it was, it was, it was my love for you and what I'm experiencing with you that makes me want to stay here. So if you want me to go, I will go. I'm like, but just promise me that wherever I go, I will find you in this way. I don't want to go and lose everything because of some pretenses of serving others or doing whatever. Um, and then he spoke very clearly. Haribi, go home. Okay? And so when he did that, then there was joy, then there was peace, and there's all this stuff. So when I called Abuna I'm like, Abuna I was, like, I was like, this is what happens. Like, well, what did you say? I told him, well, I'm going to make sure with Abuna that it's not the devil, that it's really you. But um, I was like, this is great news um, that I want to... And so Abuna was like, no, this is a good sign, but even like this is the importance of a good guide. And he goes, if it is him, he will be persistent. Like he will confirm it. And so he goes, so start dealing with this as a yes and see what happens. I started doing that. Every obstacle I could think of um, was removed um, my parents, who disagreed with absolutely everything, um, I hope they don't hear this recording, um, were suddenly on board. The youth were on board. The priest was on board. Everything, every other thing w- was resolved. Once I signed on the dotted line, every other company was like, where are you? How could you have done this? We wanted to interview. We wanted to blah, 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 blah. Um, and, and God had designed it perfectly. And so I went to that company, like, actually, believe it or not, we want to send you up north three months a year. I'm like, Really? Um, because that was what I wanted. So I was like, okay, and they're going to pay for it, um, like on top of it. And then it was the only job that let me keep my retreats to Egypt every year, that I could go for a minimum five to six weeks to Egypt. I didn't know any pharmacist that was able to do stuff like that. Um, everything that I needed. It gave me the balance with my service, my personal life, all of it. And I would never have guessed. Um, and then that company that I hated over the years became one of the more desirable ones to work for. Um, not that that would have mattered, but it was that God can see beyond this. And then when I would keep on trying to leave, then He would close doors. Like I go for an interview, and suddenly, like it, w- it would be horrific. Like I was humiliated. I'm like, "Okay, God, Like, just don't like, don't do it this way. But we we have to believe that He does. And when His voice comes, He will do it. Um, and then the final thing that I'll say is and because it's a problem that I see with a lot of people who are seeking God's will, is is back to the honesty thing with, with the doubt. Never bury your doubt. Buried doubt will become your tomb. You'll be the one who ends up buried, not the doubt. If you have a doubt, bring it to the light. Okay, the devil works in the darkness. God works in the light. Anything that is out there that isn't there, when it's exposed to the light you will see it for what it is. Either it's, it's real or it's not real. And, it, and if you want to make a good decision, you need to know what it is. So if there's a nagging doubt, expose it. If there's something that's troubling you, bring it up and bring it up with honesty about what precisely that it is. Because if you have the right conviction about seeking the Lord's will, he's going to be patient with that doubt just like he was patient with Gideon. He'll be patient with us as well. And it might be that that doubt is a good reason for whatever it is you're considering to be closed. So when we do those things, we will only find success, and then your life will always be in peace. Because where the Spirit of God is, there's freedom, not fear. Where God is, is freedom. Never, ever fear. And... Don't ever be afraid of choosing something wrong. Um, One of the Desert Fathers said something nice about this. He said, if you do anything according to your self-will, not according to God's will, you can afterwards return to God's will. It's not like your life is is over, especially if you did it in ignorance. But whoever obeys self-will, not God's, but refuses to listen um, to warnings and claims to know best, he will scarcely be able to come to the Lord's way. So it's about not being stubborn. So even if there was something and you were adamant about your own way, it's not the end of the world. Just don't live um, being obstinate. Um, So that we can all say like David and how our Lord said, he raised up David to be their king of whom God testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. And glory be to God forever and ever amen. Any questions, comments, criticisms? Or awkward silences? I wonder if there were readings that you can suggest about this. Mm -hmm. Are they books or articles? They're books and there's one audio sermon. So my spiritual father, when I was in Canada... Um, has a very decent um, summary of spiritual life. is called um, Practical Spirituality, um, and that's available online for free, and if you want a hard copy, I can bring it. Theophan the Recluse is a, a master at this. There's a book called Unseen Warfare, which is a difficult book, um, but there's a section specifically on discerning God's will, um, I would highly, highly, highly recommend that. The other stuff, unfortunately, you have to read through whole volumes to get to it because it'll be like parts of dialogues in the monastic Fathers, and so sometimes it's hard to, um, to say, okay, this book when it's a specific section. But I would start with, with those two as, the, as a good start. Sweet. I think we have uh snacks and stuff in the back. Right? Okay. Let's pray our Father, because then whoever wants to leave can leave, and then uh if you want to stay in fellowship, we can. Lord, here's the great of St. Mary, St. Anthony, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. and the love of God, the Father, the Son of God, and King, and the Holy Spirit with I go in peace, The peace, of the Lord be with you all. Amen. <clears throat> Sit yeah.